And then he said, don't wish it was easier, wish you were better. Don't wish for less problems, wish for more skills. I can't catch a break, guys. Yeah. Get them the fuck away from me. I can't, I can't be around those guys. People think, oh well, cleaning your room, that's just a cliche. It's like, yeah, really, eh? Just go ahead and try it. If people had any idea how powerful sleep is for healing from anything, and the fact that it's free. My mind is absolutely bulletproof, solid as a rock. Podcast. All right, guys, welcome to another episode of the Fighting Fit Show. Today we have got myself, Chris, and Brandon all present for a chat. Today we are going to be talking about a couple of different topics depending on the time. We're going to start with Chris's boxing, Chris's boxing of the weekend in the All Ireland Championships, and also talking about some. Um, popular articles online at the minute in the fitness space that relate to before and after photos is it a good thing is it a bad thing how does it affect kind of people mentally um, and then also good time we're going to delve a little bit into trauma the guys are reading a lot of gabor mate at the minute if, if anyone knows of him he's on some really cool podcasts with the likes of joe rogan tim ferris people like that a uh, very very interesting character with a great, great perspective um so before we get into that lads how are you both doing good mate I'm a, I'm licking my wounds. I'm a, I feel sorry for myself at the moment. Yeah. So yeah, so maybe maybe you want to you want to kind of kick it off, Chris. Tell people about your 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 fight, how the whole thing went, what your kind of thoughts are after the fact. Um. So, uh, what happened on the day was um, we went down eight a.m. I weighed in at seventy four point two kilos. I had a pretty big cut. Um. I was when I first started, uh, I was sitting up at like eighty two kilos, and I cut down to seventy four. Um, weighting the scales, I was really determined to make sure that I made weight and I didn't look, like miss it at all. So um, I resorted to Omadin and um, really, really cut my calories and up in my, um, let's say, my neat. Uh, so I was going for a lot of walks, doing a lot of cardio. Um, and we weighed in, uh, made weight no problem. And then we sat around, got breakfast. I'd already brought all my stuff. I brought pre-workout. I brought my, uh, I made a beef salad, but this time I made some potatoes with it. Um, I had a protein shake with creatine in it, and then um, we were sitting around waiting. I was supposed to be fighting. The, sh- the fight started at 11, and I was supposed to be fighting at um, around 3 o'clock because I was fighting number 24, and then loads of uh, fighters didn't show up. When I say loads, like there was like, um, when we first heard, there was like nine fights not showing up, not, not happening. And uh, so then it was would have been moved forward. So instead of, instead of being fight 24, I would have been fight number 16. And uh, that is, there's roughly about four fights per hour. So we were like, all right, okay, so we have to about three o'clock. And then we were sitting around, this is about 12 o'clock. And then all of a sudden there was a pause. There was like one fight that happened already. And then there was a pause and then there was a shuffling and everyone was checking in and all this sort of stuff. And then all of a sudden I was fighting in like four fights. And I was yeah. like, oh crap, okay. So then I had to get ready, get changed and all that jazz. Did that, felt really, really good coming into the, getting ready for the ring um, did my own sort of warm up had my headphones in uh, and then got in first round um, for the fight went really really well uh, we stepped into each other he would I I thought I was fighting an Irish guy and it turns out I was fighting some I think he was Russian um, his name was Rokas um, and I thought I was fighting the Irish guy because it said the when I was reading I must have read it wrong but the, the fight was stopped in the third round for the previous fight and I thought it was to the other corner um, but it wasn't, and I seen him, I was, ex- I looked up to the other guy, and he didn't look very, very intimidating, and I seen this guy across uh, the ring, and I was like, oh, geez, he's a lot more 
uh, bulkier than than the guy I was expecting to fight. And I was like, all right, okay. And he was trying to stare me out of it, giving me evil eyes. And I was just staring like right back. And uh, none of us flinched. And I was expecting the first exchange to be really, really tough. And it wasn't. It was really easy. I was like in a sort of like a state of disbelief in the first after the first exchange. I was like, oh, this could be an easy night. And um, so then landed a couple of combinations. And then uh, because I was relaxed, dropped my hand once I got uh, clipped in the head and just sort of like rolled with it. And I was like, oh, okay, he's not like a complete pushover. So he's still pretty strong and it was going to be physical enough. Uh, and then I kept basically winning exchange, but I was spending loads of energy on these exchanges and started the gas tank started to um, drop down. And then uh, I started feeling myself slow and I made another like mistake where like you know, the hand didn't come back as quick or something like that. There. I was like, okay. And I just started registering where my energy levels are at. And then um, after a good few exchanges, I feel like I, I did win the first round. Jim and uh, Jerry were telling me I won the first round. Um, and I thought I did it pretty convincingly. And then I was resting. And then I was told to just do the same again. And then I was trying to, but my arms were getting pretty heavy uh, at this point. Um, I still feel like I was edging it, but it was a lot more scrappy and way, way less clean. And then I think it was with 30 or 40 seconds into the end of the second round, I threw a one-two. And on the jab, where, where I threw the jab, he threw a, like a wee step-in hook um, to the body, hit me right under the ribs. I just I lost all air in my lungs. I just literally just dropped to the dropped to the ground, took a knee. And then in my head, I was, sit, I was sitting there and I was like breathing. I was like, all right, okay, you can come back for this. Just breathe, a couple of breaths, compose yourself. All right, uh, sorry, I could hear the count going, and I was like, okay, seven, three, two, up. I stood up, and the referee just waved it off, and I was like, what's going on? <laughs> what's going on here? I thought um, I thought another two seconds to basically get back into it, and the referee just stopped it, and Jim and Jerry were looking at me, very, very disappointed, uh, being like, what are you doing? <laughs> what are you doing? And um, when I was asking him after to say that I should have been up at like three, three seconds, hands up, looking at the referee, uh, enthusiastically bouncing around, being like, "Look, I'm fine." Because like, he probably would have counted you the eight anyway. Yeah, that's I mean, yeah. That's, that's what's annoying me the, the most. It's just like I said, it was just it was just a lapse in judgment. Yeah, well, I was a uh, I was very 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 annoyed, but at the same time, mm-hmm. Joe Winner, I will never make that mistake again, ever. Neither will I. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, so, so hopefully... people, obviously, you get you get a ten count in the box, and if if say you take an ear, you get dropped. Um, Chris was trying to maximize his recovery time, kind of play it cool, um, let it go to the eight count. He stood up, you stood up literally like you, you did bounce up pretty quickly on eight, yeah, yeah. But at that point, the ref had already decided the way because, again, technically, the ref can wave it at any time, the ref doesn't even have to give a count, it is up to their to their discretion. So, the guy's all right, you know, you need to be looking at the ref, eye, eye contact, positive facial expressions, looking as if you want to. You want to continue, and I think the way you were doing it, you were kind of just more, more composed, more stoic. You were kind of just focusing on the ground, focusing on your breath, kind of focusing yeah. yourself. Yeah, yeah. When, exactly I, when, I watch, it. when I watch it, it literally it, it looked like, and I know what happened because I was talking to you after that, but it literally just looked like you just weren't going to get back up. Do you know what I mean? Like, like whereas if you had been looking at him, even on yeah. the floor on your knee with your glove on the floor, but like I'm ready. Hold on, give me a fucking second. You know what I mean? It's so an art. Like so, in. In my in my head, I was just like, "All right, just be patient, yeah, just relax, know. breathe, get yourself together. You're ready to go to war." Because he's going to like that's, that's, in that's my head, he was going to storm. That's so what I I probably would have done the same thing. Yeah. So uh, so that's that's really and like I generally like when when it did come to exchange, it did come to tactical things. Like I was feel I feel like I was like winning easy enough. Like 
Why do you, why do you think you feel just this lack of lack of fight experience? Like why do you feel like you kind of started to fatigue? Um, did you um, feel a bit more than you anticipated, or is that kind of so, what you expected to be? Um, well, like I was doing the pads with Jerry uh, a good few mornings, and that would happen uh, where it'd be like a little dip, and then I'd get like a second wind. Um, I'd feel like everything build up in my thing. It was it was almost, but see, once that happened, then it was like the second wind. It was like the gas tank was bigger than the first one. I don't know how else to explain it, but I think on top of that, it was um, mainly because um, I put on so much muscle over the last while. Like I put on a lot, and um, it just demands like a lot of energy. Like doing like moving around all this simple stuff. I was throwing hard the shots. Issue, like, I was hitting... The question is though, it's like because you're that you had that muscle in your train. That's not the case. I think the issue obviously is like the cut, the cut really like the cut and the nerves like really deplete you. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Because I, I used I used to always I used to walk into fights tired just because of the nerves and obviously the cut like like I always I always feel like I fight at like sixty or seventy percent of what I train at you know what I mean because you're not you're not fresh you're not your best self because you had to fucking cut your way down there and you know you're you're nervous and all that kind of stuff <sighs> yeah it's insane that though like in terms of nerve like I felt really good I felt really, really good going in I felt pretty confident going in as well um I'm just I I am raging about the it the eight count I. Sh- like insane. I still took the body shot. Um, it was a it was a really really good body shot. Fucking mm-hmm. it landed, and um, there was like, there was a one. Seemed to be a couple of good good uh, good backhands to the body. You kind of caught him with a couple of nice little backhands to the body. Follow up with yeah, the was a, and that kind of there stuff. There was a good so, few. Yeah, it was a good good few back back and forths. There was there was those times where he he just hit me in the elbow as well, and then I I, I countered. There was a um, a couple of cool combinations that I landed as well, where I threw a hook to the body, uppercut straight to the head. That like literally. Is like the best combination ever. Yeah, yeah. I, that's one of my new favorite ones. And I threw a backhand uppercut as well from range that landed real, real clean too. There was a, there was a lot of stuff that landed real, like a lot clearer than I thought it would. And the main, I'm mainly disappointed because I wanted to get more fights. I wanted to get more, more fights in because uh, I got, I got you've to only boxed, you kind of give you a perspective. Like you've only boxed like what, how many times in the last say five years? Like, yeah, what, four times. Yeah. yeah. So. Uh, yeah. Hopefully you can kind of get get more fights coming up soon, and you know just kind of build build upon this. Um, and but again, that's the hard part about amateur boxes. Like you know, that's the whole that's the season over, really, isn't it? Like you know, there's not not a lot of, a lot of options kind of from here, or is there? No, that's it, really. There's Jim said there's going to be a club show soon, so hopefully I'll get people showing up to that. But yeah, so that's the fight uh, in a nutshell. It sucks. Yeah. Oh, well, fucking get your man down here. That's all you want to see. Huh? Yeah, good. Yeah. With the rematch. Yeah, yeah, it'd be a good one. Yeah, fingers crossed. A good, re- possible rematch for the for the club show. Um, but again, the silver lining then is with the retreat. It means then you can come back. You can come to Portugal and join me on the retreat. Yes. Ooh. Yeah, I yeah, can't wait. Actually, what dates were? Because I was looking at flights, and there's some really, really cheap ones. Yeah, so I'd say if you look up, look up the if you can come to the second, the second week it would be ideal. So I think that would be the what would that be? The second one is the twenty seventh to the thirty first, I think. So that kind of week, twenty fourth to the thirtieth of October, something like that. But again, I'll, I'll give you a call. We can have a look and see what the see what the best options are. Um, so anyone doesn't know, just to kind of give a another plug because I kind of feel like I have to pinch myself almost that it's actually really happening. Tomorrow I am flying out to Portugal to kind of get ready for our first ever reset retreat. Um, it's called the reset retreat because we want to kind of give people the opportunity to hit that reset button, create a little bit of space for themselves, take take a little bit of time out of the day to day, the work commitments, the family commitments, sit down, prime themselves through you know yoga and journaling and get themselves in a really good state of mind to kind of set some goals for the next 
say 12 months to three years and kind of give themselves a little bit of a plan i feel like when you have a vision for the future you have hope and i feel like you know without hope life is harder than it needs to be so hope for a better future and it, again doesn't necessarily mean that that you're unhappy where you are but we should always have uh i feel we should always have what's the best way to say it the um, you know a vision for a better future or uh insatiable like i can't remember like you can be extreme you can be grateful for what you have but still be hungry hungry for more more impact more experiences um so yeah so that is the plan of attack and again it's in just 10 days for the first one and sam so sam's coming over for the first one and then hopefully we have chris then for the second one all going to plan okay i got a time yeah well hopefully again and the weather's gonna be good guys it's what 21 to 23 degrees on average so yeah exciting times exciting times ahead so i'm gonna pivot pivot swiftly into the next topic so that's chris's boxing cover that we plug for the for the reset retreat and again anyone who wants to go on another one who hopes to do some home and abroad so if you're interested in them you maybe you missed it in this one due to work or family commitments message me again if there's demand we are happy to meet any demand so um, just text me and let me know we can we can see what we can arrange but next we're going to talk about an article that pete sent me let me see if i can share my screen here the topic of this article is body confidence advocate jada cesar is calling out the toxicity of before and after fitness obsession so this is essentially uh, in the fitness industry obviously everybody is obsessed with say before and after photos um, so i'll let you guys weigh in maybe start with you brandon uh, what is your opinion on before and after photos? Would you consider it to be toxic or what is your opinion? I think I was having a think with this. Obviously, I, I read the article, so I am um, hopefully, you know, taking her full opinion into consideration when we do talk about this. I obviously think there is a certain element that is toxic. You know, obviously, what is toxic? What is not toxic? But, you know, damaging. You know, what's what, what's going to what's gonna hurt people? But the big thing is, obviously, like I have a... I have a big issue with people and I, I promote everybody to take before and after photos, but they're not all that matters. It's not everything. It's not, obviously a photo is not going to show all the change. And that's one of the things that she talks about in this article. Like obviously there's so much mental change that happens in a person that the, the photo doesn't show. I would say one area that I disagree is, you know, photos show that they represent physical work. And so I, 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 I really don't want to normalize obesity that's something that i really am heavily heavily against like i'm all for self-love regardless of your size and i think that anybody of any size is is you know is a, you're a beautiful person 100 but the question is are you healthy now does moving that number and looking like every fitness ideal in terms of like the industry is like is that the goal for everybody no obviously not like i feel like to, to push one body type for absolutely everybody you know is not fair but i feel like one of the big things with before and after photos i feel like maybe gyms and stuff like that that, that flogs them so i think i think there's lots of people who would make progress and then themselves be ultimately proud of the, the changes that they can see and i feel like that's something massive obviously if you have a look at that picture there there's no difference at all in the photos except for she's wearing it on her face and that's obviously a big, big thing. But I've definitely noticed that exact same change happen on people. And nine times out of 10, it's correlated with a change in body. And so that's kind of one thing that I, I maybe disagree with this is that I am really of the mindset that I don't want to see people hiding from physical changes because 
maybe that's really what they need. But that's not all they need. And that's the kind of point that she's making, that there's so much work that needs done under the surface in order to, you know, create that positive mental health change. Because I know myself, like I've definitely gotten leaner. I've been no happier about it. You know, I've definitely, you know, built more muscle and it's not changed how I felt on the inside. So it's definitely not all that matters. But for some people, they do need to lose two or three stone because it's not healthy to be two or three stone overweight or be obese. And if you lose that weight and you've got a picture to represent it, you should, you, of course, you should share it with people and tell people how amazing you are. But I feel like maybe the industry itself has and do, you know, curate certain photos and certain images and even edit them to be somewhat unrealistic. And that can be demotivating for people watching. And, you know, there definitely is a culture of promoting unrealistic body issues because we are body images because we can, like, I see people who look amazing and then they do another post where it's like it's great light and it's post pump you know they're dehydrated all this kind of stuff so we really can get a photo to look completely different than what we walk around and so what we should be doing as a gym culture is helping to find the balance it's like well look what is healthy what is realistic what is achievable but i also wouldn't want to knock anybody taking progress photos uh, to as a unit of measurement of your progress of your progress because sometimes the scales don't show the difference obviously we've got inches but is weight loss and fat loss all that there is to be gained from health and fitness? No, I don't think so. But is it a crucial part? Like like physical change takes part as well when we normally t- change our behaviors. And in order to change our behaviors, we have to change our mind. And sometimes I find that people can get caught up in this idea of, well, all I'm changing is my attitude towards myself and therefore take me as I am, I am great. It's like, well, maybe there's actually deeper work to be done there. Maybe you could change your body physically and maybe loving yourself as you are isn't really true self-love at all because maybe there is some physical changes that you personally would like that maybe you're in denial about because there's some behaviors and attitudes that you're in denial about as well. So obviously, look, it's a very complicated subject. If you haven't read the article, she makes some fantastic points in terms of you know, being confident and changing yourself mentally and obviously photos aren't just all it's about. Like, in fact, I love that photo she has up, you know, it's like, you know, there's there's nothing, there's no change physically, but there is a mental change and that is important. But um, yeah, that's pretty much what I think. To give people a little, little context, and again, I, I, I think as well, it's, it is important to emphasize that uh, I'm not sure, again, if it's knocking um, before and after photos specifically as a, say, a unit of measurement or a way to measure progress. I think it's more so talking about the marketing element or the, you know, the media or the social media element um, of oh, it. And, you know, and again, I, I, I definitely don't like it. And again, we've actually made a, a conscious move over the, the last say, couple of years to not share people's uh, before and after photos and can we do a lot of we do the photo with the fine fit mug and we do as many kind of interviews or many podcasts with clients as we can to kind of more so share their experience to have that more um say qualitative data so people can understand the 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 personal transformation that occurs um but again the reality is you know before and after pictures do work extremely well as a marketing tool that's why people use them but they can also be very easily manipulated and as she mentions you know, it doesn't tell the whole story. It's not the only thing that matters. Like we, we recommend people, you know, keep track of things like, you know, weight, body fat, measurements, progress photos, you know, weights, you know, your deadlifts, your squats, all different kind of fitness metrics so that people have, you know, maybe 10 or 15 different things that they're, that they're working towards trying to improve. So they're not pigeonholes that only have one, one uh, metric of success. And if, you know, if they don't, 
you know, have an amazing body transformation, that it means that, you know, the 60 sessions that they've done in the gym didn't mean anything, that the, all the improvements they made to nutrition doesn't mean anything or or all the kind of positive habits or um, friends after the game, et cetera. So How do you think it could be toxic? Why, why like, me? yeah, yeah, per, like, what do you, both of you, both of you, what do you think, yeah. like, why... Well, I think it gets toxic. I think it gets toxic when we start to we start to kind of doctor photos. You know, to be as I think as, as Brandon mentioned earlier on, like, I think man, like like Brandon said, like you know, I went. Um, he said on um, you know on his journey, he he lost weight and kind of had before and after photos. It didn't impact how he felt. And I would kind of come back and just say, yeah, that's because you you're kind of one of these people who went from you know good shape to great shape. Exactly. You know, and I think for somebody who goes from you know somebody who's obese to to healthy. I feel there's a lot more value in that, and there's a lot more value in not not that not necessarily because it's all, it is all personal. But sorry, that's um, actually that's a great point because I literally love my progress photos. Like, and, and that's not to say that I love my it's, I love my body. I love the record of change. I love I love I because there was a, a season like when I started my job and to look at the difference now. And not to say I think that I'm anything incredible now because I generally don't think that. But I do like I am so proud of myself for how far I've come in the journey it's been, and the photos do show that. Like they show the hours in, and whether that lady who's writing the article seems like maybe her progress photos from like 10 years ago were the same, you know, it's like, I'm sure there's been some changes there. But in, in saying that as well, like we, well, my, my perspective on the, on her one there is that like, what, what progress, this could sound really harsh, but like what progress did she make? Do you know what I mean? Like now that she's had, like if the goal was weight loss and you know, she didn't lose any weight, it doesn't look like there was any body change or anything like that there. It's like, oh, I think, you know, it's like what they're trying to say is just like don't feel bad about not making progress uh, in the that specific area which again it's all relative like if again if that's what you set out to do and you didn't be successful it's like well should we be putting that on ourselves should we be kind of having some level of kind of personal accountability that we you know should be self-critical in some way that you know we maybe didn't do all the things that we were supposed to do because again as brandon mentioned like it is i feel like it is a bit um a bit dangerous to yeah, read it let's read, read it so how does social media play into this both body image and mental health with social media uh, people will take on their health and fitness uh, journey and potentially only show the highlight reel of their journey this gives the illusion of closeness to people making reality harder to unpack okay so like that's true that's absolutely true except one of the, one of the things that i see trending all the time and i see on people's stories all the feckin time um especially from trainers and from other people especially uh, female trainers and um, they post all the time the unglamorous side of health and fitness and then like pissed off like didn't want to train today didn't want to do this didn't want to do that i still got up and did it anyway this sucks and one of the things that i like when i was training like all i was doing was posting like all the times i was training. there was a few times i posted selfies of me on a treadmill with a big frown on my face just like i didn't want to i didn't want to be there it was hard it was annoying and it was like it's not it, is, it isn't easy and um i think uh showing something that you're proud of but it's also true for facebook for instagram is that like it's a highlight reel of everything for everyone like no one's posting pictures of them crying on bloody instagram and if they are you know like instantly people will either be like oh are you okay or it'll be like that's cringy do you get me the no one wants to see the the sad stuff no one wants to see the hard stuff no one wants to see so and no one wants to post it as well yeah. and um there definitely is very like like for toxic it's there definitely insightful for me like definitely people have posted up like like those before and after photos um like the real one versus the the, the staged one is like it is very eye-opening and i found that very very helpful but i do yeah. i do also like i absolutely hate i absolutely hate the the culture of like for toxic like 
I don't, I don't want, I don't, I really, I really think it's damaging to normalize being obese and say that it's okay as you are, because I feel like people are capable of so much more because I feel like, as I said, it's just a, a battle with food. And obviously like I want to help people and educate them as to the proper nutritional strategies and the healthy way to do it and a healthy mindset to foster it. And obviously in order to do that, you have to have an element of self-love for your soul and self-love for your body. But that doesn't mean that over a course of a year that, and okay, to our point is like, I like if, if a year has passed and you, you, you've built a good solid foundation, but still no physical changes happened, that's up to you and your professional to say, okay, well, this is what we definitely have built upon. But I mean, like, over the course of three to four years, because I think I, I was listening to something there. I think like two out of two thirds of women, like like um, like sixty percent of them are overweight, uh, over forty. I think two thirds of women over forty are overweight with like forty percent forty percent of that substrate have been obese, and it's like and and I've had conversations, private conversations with with these women, and they're all terribly sad about it they would much rather look leaner and that's not to yeah. say that they had this is the, and this is where i agree it's like you don't have to look quote-unquote perfect in photoshop because actually you'll find that very rarely even all these amazing people you see them they don't even look like that but you can angle and get a cute picture of yourself and look amazing like absolutely yeah. amazing and perfect but you can't walk around like that and so it's about finding the balance of like look like where are you happy? Like, what's your standard? And figure out what your standard is. And, and I would really, like, for me, set at health. Like, and being obese is not healthy. That's just that's just the, the fact. And for you and your family and for your own energy levels and your own hormone levels, like, don't be unhealthy. But as I said, your body's been through a lot. Um, as we'll go on to, if we get on to the gay romantic stuff, is like, you're carrying baggage that, that, that could be multi-generational. Not everybody starts at the same place. And so a credit to you if you really have a good attitude and regardless of whether or not you can't see it on the scales or on the pictures, if you genuinely are doing the work and you genuinely are making social, spiritual and emotional progress, fantastic. I hope and pray for everybody that if you did take a picture of it, that somewhere along the line you can start to see those changes. And that's why I'd recommend taking pictures. And no, obviously, again, if somebody takes a picture before and after and they look completely different, can inside they be worse? A thousand percent. So uh -huh. that, that's how I feel about it. Yeah, and, and the key thing with the progress photos is, as I said, because obviously, you know, because there's also a, a similar debate that happens around the scales uh, or the sad step, as it's called. It's like, well, geez, well without the progress photos, like I said, we, we all agree, like, you know, progress photos are probably one of the best ways to measure uh, progress in relation to body composition. You know, the old saying, like, you know, a picture tells a thousand words. It can kind of give some insight, especially into a, into a journey that's going to involve strength training and fitness. Like, when you're getting stronger, you're building muscle, you know, you might be losing fat, if you're a beginner, especially, you know, might be losing fat gain and muscle at the same time. So again, so you're only really going to see the progress. Yeah, so again, it's like everything else. It's not. There's nothing wrong with the progress photos. There's nothing wrong with the scales. The problem is you, the story you have about the scales or the fact that you've set out uh, the expectation that this is the only metric for success. If these, there's not a significant change in these progress photos. I am a failure. If the scale does not go down, I am a failure. It's the story, not these actual things. If you take it with context and nuance. You know, and, but, and the right frame of mind, it's completely different. What story, what story specifically? Because I think there is a specific story or a specific sort of angle on it uh, that makes it bad. And I think that's the thing that we should be sort of trying to rectify and not necessarily utilizing the scales as a way of measuring it. Because, like, the story is that, like, this is a direct, like, if you step in the scales, and I've, like, again, because my weight was so front of mind, like, I can relate to it a lot. Um, 
like your value as a person or your value as like in terms of the effort that you've been putting in emotionally is attached to the skills and it's like if it doesn't go in that direction well then therefore i'm a failure therefore i like i'm not doing enough therefore i'm not i'm not good enough i'm not putting the work in and all that sort of stuff and it's those negative feelings that basically create this whole response i 100 percent agree with you and the key is then so the key is for me and all my clients is you need honestly it sounds like a cliche you need to trust the process and you really yeah. need to know your numbers and you need to track the, 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 the progress and you have to understand that every effort you put in you will not always be able to easily check if it's worked especially in the short term there is going to be fluctuations and you're going to have to plant seeds repeatedly and have faith that they're going to grow and they will, but you just again like the people. People are just like constantly like you know uh, planting a seed and pulling it up and see if it's ready. And it's like it doesn't work like that. You know what I mean? It's like it's. I actually have something to say to build on that. So I I was watching a TED talk today, um, and it was talking about um development, like a per, not personal, like professional or skill development in sports or whatever it is. And it was on about um, one of the things there were that was a variability was a kind environment or a wicked environment. And what a kind environment is, is where it's the same repeatable process over and over again, kind of like chess, kind of like um, like golf, or where it's the same thing over and over again, where there's not that many uh, variables. But with weight loss, I think it's a wicked environment because sometimes, you know, it's, it's not if this, then that. You know, it's not as, as specific as that. So if you do the loads of work and you do eat really, really well, but then you drank like a liter of water before you step in the scales, Joe, and then you're heavier and you didn't you weren't even aware that that was a factor and then you step on it you don't get the positive reinforcement of the work that you've just put in you actually get negative reinforcement for all of that effort and then you start quite like oh what was the point in this what was the point in that and right. that's yeah. it that's like part of the things that's in a wicked environment and the only way to sort of do that is to sort of take like a step back and look at it from a different perspective and try and be aware of factors that are outside of your uh, even awareness you have to be aware of stuff that you're not aware of or try and become yeah. more aware of different things like that. I have a really clickbaity. I have a really clickbaity um, video now, Pete. If you just if you just chop and change this, people are going to shut us down. Women are in even more wicked environments. All right. <laughs> and the re re the reason being is because because they're menstruation, and so if if that's if that's what you're talking about, it makes it makes their life harder, a hundred percent. And that's maybe why women struggle because because of, like that 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 four week cycle like really like i said like if you think like you struggle on a day-to-day -day basis a professional who knows what you're doing cutting weight eating feck all food and you're still kind of fluctuating up and down imagine having a, a, a menstrual cycle on top of that as well it's like that is extremely difficult to hold the faith over four like doing anything for a month is incredibly mm -hmm. hard so imagine dieting for a month and literally never seeing results until four weeks later that is going to be yeah. incredibly difficult it's a, a, a and I, I I do I, I do agree with that, but I would also say it's kind of one of these things where it's like, well, you you, you I think it was from from Jim Rohn somewhere. It's like you haven't been around then very long, have you? Like you know this whole thing when the sun goes down, the sun comes up. You know people are like, oh, where the sun go? It's like don't worry, it's gonna come back. You know, and it's, yeah. or if they don't know that. Obviously, they haven't been around very long. And what I'd be saying is then like, at some point, people have to take a, a little bit of ownership in the fact that you've been tracking this. You've been on this weight loss journey for many, many years. You've been tracking your weight quite regularly for many, many years. You're fully aware of these weight fluctuations. But every time you step in the scales, you just take that experience, put it to the side, and don't actually consider it. Whereas my my right. kind of strategy, and it's worked very well for me, is to actually collect more data, to yeah. be more aware of your natural weight cycle, to be more aware so you know 
based on your experience that on the third week of your cycle, you're up two pounds, you're up three pounds, or whatever it might be. Most people yeah. have never done it like that. And that's yeah. the difference. That really is the difference. I 100% agree with you. It's like, yeah, if you track your, your menstrual cycle for literally because like, you've been trying to lose weight for 30 years. Yeah, for like over, over the course of maybe two, three months. If you track, yeah. track your weight, you know, quite regularly over two or three months, you'll have all the data you need. You'll understand your natural weight weight cycle. Um, and again, you'll be able to apply context then to the to the result that you're getting. But again, it's only a problem if you're only matching for success as weight. If you're not tracking body fat, if you're not measuring inches, if you're not taking progress photos, if you don't have all these other opportunities to be successful, if you're not tracking your weight's going to the gym, if you're not tracking your consistency or how many weeks, uh, you know, how many days you went to the gym this week or this month or whatever your metrics for success are, um, you know, you pigeonhole yourself and you're you're leaving yourself very open to failure because you don't have many opportunities to be successful except for that one particular area. The other, the other side of the thing I would say is like those numbers for tracking is like not only are they insightful, they are the law. Like I, 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 I'm not sure if I said this on the podcast before, but recently I was reminded of a time I pre- predicted one of the clients was pregnant and I knew before she knew. And the reason was being because I had all the numbers available. I knew exactly. And we got to a stage where it was like, I know what you're telling me is 100% genuine. So I know the calories you ate or the calories you ate. I know what you did at the weekend was what you did at the weekend. I was like, well, it literally can't be anything else. Like, you've covered all bases here. It's week one versus week one, week two versus week three, whatever, whatever. I was like, take a pregnancy test because you, you probably you probably are pregnant. Um, and they went home and talked to her like, you are good at your job. I was like, it's, it's, it's numbers. It's just numbers. It's numbers game. And so this is it. And obviously... Sorry, Brian, just to interject for one second, I just think it's important what you said for anyone listening to want some practical, actionable advice. It's like that whole thing you said, compare week one of the cycle to week one of the cycle, compare week two of the cycle to week two of the cycle, compare week three of the cycle to week three. So don't compare this Monday to last Monday. You know, compare, you know, this Monday to, to you know, week one to week one, week two to week two, week three to week three. And if you do it like that, you'll automatically... Be tracking more information anyway. Also, yeah, even more perspective. And so we're kind of we're kind of on the same on the same conversation. It's like you know, progress photos are progress photos to- toxic. You know, the sad step talking about the scales. Like this is where something that I feel like it's 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 the story that you tell yourself about it because like as as co- like we have imparted that th- way of thinking into many of our clients, and they found that weighing in more often was more helpful. That taking more photos was more helpful because what we want to do is we want to nurture the conversation that's happening for the individuals. So that way that instead of living this lifestyle where they have to bury their head in the stand from information because they, they just can't handle it is like we would much rather work with people on being able to handle and interpret information better because I want you to be able to walk through your life and interpret information. I don't want you to stick your head in the stand and go, okay, well, things that don't hurt you, just don't deal with them. It's like I, I want you to be a little more resilient than that and fair enough, it might take a little bit longer, a little bit more coaching, but, you know, you deserve it. You fucking treat yourself. What I want to do is I want to desensitize people to it as well. So that because you know, some people get in really bad form to have to have to weigh themselves in or check in or kind of be accountable to their progress or whatever it might be. So by the more the only what is it, the only way to get over fear is to voluntarily face it. You know, so just by true exposure, by just weighing yourself in regularly, you just become desensitized to it. So it's not that big of a deal over time. I said, because you've got so much information, oh, so much also, oh. also go for a Chris. What are you going to say? I was just going to say like what you said there willful like you have to willfully do it and like drag grabbing someone's arm being like you have to weigh in come on weigh in and they don't want to it literally has like the opposite effect the exact yeah. opposite it's really it's like it amplifies it's mad and the more you push like the more they want to resist because they don't want to face it and it get the more pressure you put on it the scarier and scarier it gets it's weird the, the elephant in the room for me in the, at least in the early days has been because i feel like over the course of of our job here i feel like for whatever reason we started to get 
higher quality client thing comes down to the Paul Jack thing, like the fucking the higher your price, the, the better quality of clients that you get. But I used to find initially the reason people didn't want to weigh in because they literally weren't doing the work. And that was mm-hmm. it. And so it was yeah. like, why do you not want to weigh in? Because I don't want to look at a bad result again. And I was like, I get that. Yeah. I 100% I wouldn't want either. So like when, when do you stop tracking your food? When it stops being good. When do you stop weighing in? When you know you've eaten shite. And so it's like, that's also <laughs> another reason why you don't like weighing in because you're nutri- you need nutrition skills. So obviously, yeah, the focus for the short to medium term shouldn't be weighing in. That's not what you I need think- to work on. You need to work on your nutrition and your activity levels because the weighing in is only going to work and be a positive benefit to you if we're tracking you moving in the right direction and starting to interpret, okay, yes, even though the weight is up, generally you're moving in a good direction. You're on a good journey. High five. Good. Okay. Yeah, it's up today, but here's probably why it's any one of these four reasons stay on the path. But for people who are on the path, it's like, well, why aren't you on the path? Well, because I'm really struggling. Well, why are we struggling? Well, you're struggling because you don't have the skills, you know, maybe things at home aren't going well, you know, maybe you don't have that much discipline for whatever reason, you know, maybe, it could be any number of reasons, but like the work's but not the, this big thing. That, that's what I think is so is so invaluable about it, though. Because if you do keep waning and you're like, if they were to if they were to just like have someone where they could talk to, where it could just be like, um, yeah, look, I haven't done the work. I haven't, and it's like then you can add, then you can genuinely and honestly ask why. If you if you can let them like save face and let them be yeah. like, okay, I haven't done like why. I've been uh, bloody struggling with school. I haven't been doing doing a good job in school. I'm really, really stressed about my exams, my tests, whatever. And it's just like, okay, well, now we can actually come up with an actual tangible plan to work around that rather than just like just accepting the fact that school's hard and that you don't want to do it. Like one of the ones, one of my frustrations is like, you know, someone's like, oh, work's really, really busy right now. I just can't focus on it. And there's two, off, two ways to approach that. One is like, okay, that's fine. That's absolutely fine. Understand, yeah, that's your number one priority. And maybe that's the right answer as well. But what I would say is like, like you're always going to be busy. We need to figure out a way to do this while we're busy. Like convenience is something that you need to factor in. Like not everyone has time to like go home for lunch and make a fucking salad like fresh. Not everyone has that time. So you need to be able to do whatever you can. Or the alternative is that you're going to get fat and you're going to get, it's going to get worse because you're not prioritizing this thing. And in fact, you're deprioritizing it over something else. And to facilitate this thing that's really, really important to you, you're sacrificing your health. And then when your coach comes in, is basically going like here here's what you're doing you know it's not good for you in the long run you don't want to look at it and you're gonna be like no 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 because that reality is not a good reality to live in yeah. and uh, the only way to do it is to basically like show them but if yeah if they don't willingly confront it there's not much you can really do yeah yeah 100 and then so with the just kind of bring it back to the because obviously you kind of talk a lot about wanes and stuff like to bring it back to then the progress photos um i also think then it gives people unreal unrealistic expectations of the success rate of other clients and what's actually realistic because again we all know even from being coaches you know it's very hard to have 100 percent success rate in any program um we do a much much better job than anybody else in making people actually show up you know at least 85 percent of our members actually show up on a, on, a, on a week-to-week basis um but you know online you're only seeing the top 10 percent um of clients and their their transformation journeys and you're seeing them with fake tan and you're seeing them in good enlightened and you're seeing them on an empty stomach and you're seeing them probably slightly dehydrated and um, flexing yeah, and, and flex and with a pump on uh, you know with a yeah. pump and again this makes a big difference and that's kind of for me where it becomes disingenuous because it's almost like showing people essentially photoshop photoshop uh, yeah, on, 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 on. yeah because i like I, 
I've got I've got a great pump and looked in the mirror and just thinking, fuck, I want to take a picture of this. I like I feel this Same. is great for my confidence. This is great Same. for my confidence. I feel yeah. great about myself. And, 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 I, if, and if that was the frame, if that was the frame that these were being promoted for, not saying, oh my god, take my six week challenge because these are the results you could get. If it was more like, oh my god, look how amazing my client looks after their workout or after completing this program, it's like okay, but again, it's a before and after photo. It was a, it was yeah. just a, it was just that photo taken. You know, in isolation, and just said, "Oh my God, how cool! The great does my yeah, client yeah, look? Great. look fantastic." Great. It's done with the thing. This was bad before. It's better now. And again, it's just creating that kind of unrealistic expectation. So I completely understand. I would like. I would like. I would like a before photo, an after photo, and a badass photo. That's what I'd like. I'd feel like it's like here's here's them standing neutral. Here's them standing neutral, and here's them pumped and shredded, looking amazing. I would. That's that. actually such a good idea. That's actually yeah, such a sick idea. That should be the new standard. Before, after, a badass. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty cool. Okay, guys, anything else? Any other, any other insights? Anything else you want to get off your mind before we, before we end this podcast? I don't want to get stuck into our kind of talk on Gabriel Mate, Mate or trauma just yet, because I want to kind of give it the time it deserves. So we'll probably cover that next week. If anyone's listening, if you want to kind of uh, do a little bit of reading before we get into the topic. Well, that's what I would say. One thing, just maybe on on the Gabriel Mate, Gabriel Mate thing, is just in general, like like the 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 answer to a lot of this mental health stuff, like the like this issue with people is like, right, well, why are you not doing well? Because like for me, I have generally two types of clients. I've got clients who follow the program on day one uh, we, we uh, and then people who really struggle to implement the plan at all. And so the people who struggle to implement the plan at all, the question is why, right? And the question is why is like, why are you not organized enough to just implement a simple diet plan? Why do you comfort eat? Why do you have all these kind of mental barriers and way and you know all this baggage weighing you down like that work gets in the way and you just haven't got any good stress management plans in place you know that you know when it all goes to shit you just have to eat your feelings when you know it comes the weekend you need a break and you just need to switch off and it's like these are learned behavioral patterns that we developed growing up and starting to go deeper into why they are so it's one of my favorite Jim Rohn quotes I've said it again and again is learn to work harder on yourself than you do in your job and I always relate that to fitness learn to work harder on yourself than you do in your diet learn to work harder on yourself than you do in your fitness if you really heal whatever is going on under the surface well then you'll probably find that everything your ability to implement any plan or any strategy any skill because your health your 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 health your mentally will then and that's kind of what Gabriel Matthews is all. That's why I, I'm, I'm loving. I love the psychology element of trauma because, and I love the just psychology in general because it's so important to figure out what makes you tick. Why are you doing what you're doing? Because nine times out of ten, we can feel helpless to our own behavior, and I feel like that's a really important thing to get on top of. Yeah, that sounds cool. And again, so if you're interested, guys, we'll definitely cover that topic next week. Any questions or anything you want us to cover? If you have read the books or anything, what what is the book you're reading at the minute, guys? There's three. So there's scattered minds, uh, scattered minds. Um, then there's the myth of normal, and then what's the other one? Ghosts, hungry ghosts. The realm of hungry ghosts. I haven't listened to that one yet. I've listened to Scattered Minds, which is a book on ADHD and what it is and what causes it. And then there's another one, the myth of normal, and that's a really really cool book because it seems to be one of these books that starts, you know, at at pregnancy in terms of human development and I'm, I'm only about halfway through it and it seemed to go you know through child development probably into teens and then into adults uh, which is really interesting so it covers all spectrums for something for everybody in terms of uh, development and trauma and then the other one the realm of hungry ghosts that is about addiction which again obviously you know obesity in part is maybe 
you know some form of food addiction so or maybe alcohol and all that kind of stuff so definitely yeah, absolutely definitely definitely for fat loss yeah okay cool sounds interesting looking forward to our conversation guys i will be taking that one live from portugal will i be in our new no i won't, be in, the, I won't be in the the penthouse but again i'll be taking that one live from portugal so looking forward to, to that chris hopefully we and you myself and Michelle will have a chat later on about getting you over to portugal with us yeah. um again commiserations on the fight but like i said I'm proud of you anyway, as I said in, in, in the message that I sent you, the, the, the value is in stepping into the ring and coming into the process. You've done the train, you put in the hours, you stepped in through the ropes, and that makes you a champion in my book. Appreciate it, bro. Appreciate not it. only that, not only that, you were winning. <laughs> like you did. And and I got into the best shape of my entire life. Well. Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm saying. You're in the best, your best shape of your life. And again, just to kind of just to finish off one last point on the whole before and after photos. If people just knew how good it felt, like, you know, because obviously I've been there, be, made weight and kind of, you know, stand there on the scales, lean as a bean and feeling fantastic. My confidence has never been higher than, than in them moments. That's, and again, that's one sure of the things. I'm not sure if that's toxic related to my trauma or what it is. But again, in them moments, and again, I've seen it again and again and again with clients. When, you, when you're in the shape of your, of your life, when you're in peak physical condition, it has a massive, 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 massive impact on your mental health how you feel about yourself and your self-confidence. And that should also not be overlooked. The people, all of, everything everything to do with that article, it's all coming from the angle of, you know, helping people feel better about themselves. And kind of, my experience and my point of view would be like, well, listen, don't knock until you've tried it. Until you've got yourself in amazing shape, there's very, very few things in life that will make you feel as good as that. Um, one thing I would say, one thing I would say, and David Goggins is, is massive on this, is that the confidence for me anyway, it comes from, it's not how you look. That's not, that's not, that's, that's part of what it is. Obviously, again, like we've all got this, you know, it's like, this is what the peak person looks like. It comes from, I've done the work. I actually believe in myself because I know I did the work. And to me, the like, way I like to say it, the way I like to say it is keeping the promises you've made to yourself. That's what self-confidence confidence is. Confidence is self-confidence. Can I trust myself? So when you make promises to yourself, do you follow through or do you let yourself down? That's felt, the sense of me. What's I felt like is. I felt like I rushed and bluffed my way to many wins and was as lean as ever. But like again, I knew I knew the corners I cut, and that 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 made me feel like a fraud. And I did it two or three years in a row and did not get the result and was not disappointed at all because I knew right well for a change. I was like, I did everything in my power to get as far as I could, and I'll do the same again. And that's a completely different feeling. Yeah. And Chris, last um, last point. Well, I was going to bring up, um, I'm sure everyone, well, most people are aware of Andrew Tate at the moment. Uh, he was banned and all that jazz. He was on Piers Morgan recently. But one of the things he's on about with depression and you're on about saying it there with self-esteem when you get, he was like, look, like before you do anything drastic, whatever it is, okay, like, because you're about to, he's one of the people who are going to basically unalive themselves. Um, he was basically like, go get a six pack first and then think about it. And he's like, yeah, do that yeah, first. I actually, yeah, I actually heard that story. That is very interesting. And I, I, do, I do agree with that on a level, like, you know. Also, also, just, just on that, in that conversation, I remember he was talking to Pierce and he said, like, there's no like there like you know clinical depression isn't a thing like or it's like or is a thing it's a hundred percent a thing and for you to say it's not it's like it's completely damaging you say well I find it damaging that you can even say that it's like you know they take that power away from people and in the Gamer Mate books they literally talk about there is no evidence no evidence for <clears throat> psychological um for psychological issues like that now obviously again listen to the book there's doctors that said it. it's not me it's not just my opinion they said there is no evidence for that psychological statement at all like it is not like it's very hard to imagine they were like we like oh give us like five ten years we'll have the figures we'll have it's like there's none 
There's literally none. It's it's for, all for, for depression. For, for, well, yeah, exactly. Yeah, to say for these psychological diseases, like there's actually like, mm-hmm. like all, how, how do you how do you measure these things? Like we don't a lot of yeah. we don't have the tools to measure these things. It's all a lot of it is very. very that's why we want to. That's why we want to talk about this next week. Yeah. Very very yeah. subjective based based on how people yeah. people uh, people feel. And I feel like once you know once you know the placebo effect, I feel like you can't get away from all that. Ma- all that matters is the person's belief. You know what I mean? Like again, I could give I could give you. A sugar pill i can tell you this is the cure for cancer and there is you know uh, records of people curing themselves from serious illnesses and, and doing yeah. absolutely amazing things miracles um just through their their belief alone so i feel like you know all matters telling somebody they're clinically depressed and that they can't heal themselves is if i want to a better word cursing them um with an identity uh, that that they cannot fix it's outside the control so that's you know, very damaging so it's going to be going to be a quite an interesting conversation next week. So can't wait. Yeah. So guys, yeah. Thanks, yeah. So guys, thanks for listening. Really appreciate your time. Uh, any comments? Any feedback? Please let us know. Uh, remember, everyone we expressed here just our our amateur opinions on these topics that we are by no means experts in. We appreciate you taking the time to listen to us, and we hope to see you in the next one. Peace. Peace.